I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the 15th chapter of the book of Exodus. We'll begin with uh, verse 22 in a moment. Nothing's more exciting uh, than to begin and be able to anticipate a summer vacation. Um, How many of you, I'm just curious, how many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? Anybody here been to Grand Canyon? You have? Good. One or two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Anybody got? Yeah. Okay. I've never been, so I'm looking forward to go one day. But, uh, you know, when you plan these big trips, it takes a little time. And, uh, you know, you have to plan out where you're going to be on a certain day and what activities you're going to see. And will it, you know, be exciting to your, you know, college-age student who's with you or your preschooler, you know, you're trying to map out this thing so that everybody in the family has just a great time. Well, I can imagine this couple that they're taking their kids out to the Grand Canyon and they've planned everything. Everything's just, you know, they know where they're going to be the first night and where they're going. And so dad decides, hey, we're going to get off early. And if we get off early, the kids will pretty much sleep until lunch. Okay. Now, again, you remember, you're planning this this activity, and I'll never forget, I don't know how many of you know Dr. Otis Andrews, who's like a marriage counselor and all this kind of stuff, does retreats and all this up in Macon, Georgia. And I'll never forget, uh, I read an article that uh, he proposed about these family vacations. Unfortunately, this family didn't read his article. So what happens when they get to Birmingham, everything's been fine up until now. Now the kids are awake, it's 12, and they're starving. So Sam, who's the oldest, says, Dad, let's stop at Burger King. There it is. And Susan, the middle child, says, No, Dad, I want Wendy's. And then the little four-year-old, okay? You know, he's got his heart. He's thinking, man, we're eating out every time. I know where we're going to eat out. Where does he want to eat out? Exactly. Because he's thinking what? Happy meal. Exactly. He's wanting McDonald's, you know? And so... McDonald's, everybody's screaming what they want. Dad just finally yells, quiet. We're eating at Dairy Queen. So they pull into Dairy Queen and the little ones complain. Everybody's complaining. It's just been a great trip so far. By the way, uh, you know, Dr. Andrews had recommended that you not only plan your itinerary, but you even plan who's choosing which meal. So it's already decided. Okay, little one gets to pick and then, you know, just make a note of that for the future. But anyway, what we're looking at today is not a family traveling. What we're looking at today is the children of Israel and their traveling, how they're moving in the direction of what God is wanting them to do. And by implication, the question is, what does God want us to do? What is our adventure and and First Baptist Church as we follow So let me ask you, what kind of traveler are you? Are you the kind of traveler that's like, listen, I don't go anywhere. I stay in Tifton, and every night I have my head on my pillow in my bed. Is that the kind of traveler you are? Or are you the kind of like, no, no, I'll take a day trip. I'll go off as long as when I get home, I'm in my bed and on my pillow. Or are you more like, no, I'm willing to go on on a trip. I'll go. Yes, I will complain the whole time, but I will go. Is that kind of how a traveler you are? 
Or are you the kind of traveler that goes, hey, listen, I'm looking forward to a great adventure. I know there are going to be some hiccups. I know there are going to be some problems. I don't know if y'all heard about our problem on our mission trip to Mozambique. But while we were literally in the air flying from Atlanta to Johannesburg, Delta canceled all our tickets. Okay, they canceled the ticket that would get us from Johannesburg to Mozambique. They canceled the ticket back from Mozambique to Johannesburg and back to Atlanta. They canceled everything. So let me encourage you, always keep your receipts. Okay? Because there are going to be things that happen along the way. So, the children of Israel had just experienced the most incredible miracle. The parting of the Red Sea. God's deliverance through the Red Sea, and then the sea closing, consuming the soldiers of Pharaoh. How well will they travel from that miracle forward? Let's look at our text. Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 and following, would you stand as we read together? Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water. And the water became fit to drink. There, the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you... Pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees. I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Lord Jesus, we have felt your presence. We have sensed you in our midst this morning. And now, Father, as we move from from musical worship and praise and prayers. Father, we want to have a conversation with you. We want to listen to what you would say to us. And we want to respond to you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. According to this scripture, the children of Israel were led by Moses into the wilderness they had been traveling for three days, and I'm sure they were on the greatest emotional high the world has ever known. They had seen the most amazing miracle, and I'm sure they were you know, conversation back and forth. Did you see what God did? Wasn't that incredible? And they're just going in the joy of the salvation and deliverance of the Lord. Three happy days are celebrated, but then the canteens begin to run dry. And everyone begins to get thirsty. And finally, according to the text, they do come to an oasis. And this oasis has bitter water. 
And so the people begin to complain. They complain against God. They complain against Moses. And the question is, what do you mean there's no water out here? What are we going to drink? And with that question being asked by one to maybe three million people, Moses began to feel the pressure. And so he cries out to God. And the Lord shows him a tree that he throws into the waters. And as we just read, the scripture says the Lord was testing them. He was testing them. He wanted to know something. If they would not just observe the miracle, but would they listen to his voice? Listen to his voice. You know, one of the, I guess you'd say, difficult lessons or one of the challenging things about our education system are some of the the things we take away from it. For instance, most of us, because we've been to school and all this, we think what's really important is to listen for the 60 minutes the professor's lecturing or the teacher's teaching. And then, man, I'm glad that's over with. I can go do something else. That's just kind of the way our whole education system works. And so the children of Israel had experienced this incredible miracle and they're probably going, man, I'm glad we don't have to, we can just kind of go now. What is God saying here? I want you to listen to me. I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying. I want to not just rescue you, I want you to be rescued so you can have a relationship with me and moment by moment I want you to listen to my voice. Follow me. And what's interesting is just a few moments later, not moments, but a few days later, they leave Mara and they go to a place called Elam. And Elam is a beautiful oasis. Many pools of water. Many date palms. And I'm sure many of them were kicking themselves going, why didn't we trust God when it was a little tough? Why didn't we just hang in there a little longer? Why didn't we have faith? They were too quick, much too quick to complain. So the Lord said, I love you. You know, when we first came to know Christ, think about that. When you first came to know Christ, do you remember how the Lord kind of cocooned you? How he kind of surrounded you? I can remember giving my heart to, to the Lord and, and some, of, I'm not, you know, some of the dear older ladies in our church there over in Albany, you know, they just came up and they hugged me and, and they were excited for me. And one of those dear ladies gave me a, a book on a Christian baseball player, you know. And, and then one of the you know, other ladies prayed for me and then you know, one, of the, one of the guys um, who was one of the school teachers there, he said, I want to take you and a friend out to go bowling after you're baptized. I mean, there was just kind of like these people were just surrounding me to kind of support me and encourage me. And and, uh, when I came to Christ, and you just think about this. Think about Elam. 
all the water they could possibly drink, all the food they could possibly eat, everything was supplied. You know, that's what God does. He meets, he meets our needs. But He not just meets our physical needs. What He's doing, He's calling us into a deeper relationship with Himself. And so He calls them to leave Elam, to move out. You know, nothing will cause me to want to run home and uh, seek a meal uh, more than going all day without eating. If you ever have a day where you just run and go and go and you don't have anything to eat and you finally are like, the day's over. Man, I'm going home and I am getting me something to eat. And I can imagine... When they said, when God said, we're leaving Elam. We're leaving that place where everything's lush and everything's... I can imagine what they did is they stuffed their pockets. They loaded those canteens. They got everything ready because they knew they were fixing to travel. And, and so now they're, they're taking off. And, and we le- read again in chapter 16 that the food begins to run out. I don't know about you guys, but uh, men, when I head out for a trip, I like to get there. So I want to have the gas tank full. I want to be ready to go. And matter of fact, I just soon go through the drive-through when we're eating and keep moving. I don't know about you. So I can imagine these men and women on this following God on this trip. Now their, their food is running out. They still got a little water in that canteen, but their food is running out and they're going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because they're thinking, let's get this trip over with. Let's get to the destination. Listen, all of us, if you've come to know Jesus Christ, you know your destination. If you've trusted in him to forgive your sin, you don't have to worry about your destination. You know by the grace of God, not because of your works, you're going to heaven. But what does God... Why has he left you here on earth? What does he want to accomplish through your life here on earth? Well, one thing, he wants to draw you into an intimate relationship with him. But the question is, are you grumbling like they did? They were grumbling against the Lord because of their physical needs rather than lifting that need up to the Lord in prayer. Look at verse 13. The Lord already had a plan. Verse 13 of chapter 16. He said, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites and at twilight you'll eat meat and in the morning you'll be filled with bread Then you'll know that I'm the Lord. Verse 13, that evening... Quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. The Lord knew their need. And He miraculously provided for their need. But if you look at that that chapter a little further, what was the Lord primarily concerned with? You'll see. His maker, he knew he had the provision. His concern is would they trust him? So he said, listen, listen. 
I want you to go out every day and get the manna off the ground. I'm providing it. But just get enough for today. And, and don't store it. Why did he say that? He wanted them to trust him for what? Tomorrow's bread as well, right? Now some smart people said, no, I'm just going to pick up a lot and I only have to go out there every other day. And, and you know what happened? In the evening, that stuff molded and rotted and, and it wasn't fit to eat. Okay, God is asking them, trust me. Trust me. Walk with me. So here's my question to you. How are you seeing the Lord Jesus Christ meet your daily needs? How are you seeing him do that? How are you being used by God to help meet the daily needs of others? Brothers and sisters, when, when we are known as servants, when we are known as servants of God, we'll never lack opportunities to accomplish what our main purpose is. What's our purpose? We're to love God, right? We're to love people, and we're to what? Multiply, what? Disciples. We'll never lack opportunities to do that. When we're known as a servant, when we're known as someone who is willing to meet the needs of others. But we must hurry on. There were other obstacles. Not only was there, you know, a lack of water, a lack of food. But if you look on chapter 17, we begin to see there's some opposition coming. There's some opposition coming. You know, it's become obvious to us that the children of Israel were not the uh, ideal travel companions. I can just imagine if, if Moses had been driving one of those tour buses... And all of them were on the, in the back of that bus. And, and he was driving that bus. And, and he said, now if you look over there to your right, you'll see the pyramids of Egypt. And uh, if you look over there again to your right, you'll see the Red Sea. That as you recall, just a few weeks ago, the Lord opened. And we came across on dry land. And so he's, he's like the tour guide. But I can imagine somebody back in the bus going, Moses! Moses, I'm hungry. Pull this bus over. Moses, I'm thirsty. You can imagine people, the children of Israel, though they had seen the miracles, were complaining. I'm surprised he didn't just turn back and say, hey, you want to get off this bus? But Moses didn't. Moses hung in there. Even when the people complained again about drinking water. Look at it there in, in chapter 17. There was another complaint. Because again, they're in the desert. It's hot. It's dry. But God provides for their needs. Look at verse 8 of chapter 17. And, and you see there that God shows he's not only going to be their provider, but their defender for the Amalekites. An unexpected enemy comes and attacks the children of Israel. They didn't think they were going to have to engage in battle so soon, but Moses prays and Joshua leads the troops out into battle. 
And Moses stands on a hill with the rod, the staff of God, elevated, expressing dependence on God, expressing prayer and trusting in God's deliverance. And he prays. And while he prays and holds up the staff, the armies of Israel prevail. When he lowers it because he's fatigued, the Amalekites prevail. And so he stands there with all he can do and holds it up in prayer, praying for God's victory for his people. And even with that, he gets exhausted. And so he sits down and keeps his hands up. And then his hands begin to drop. And Aaron and her hold his hands up in total dependence upon God so that these soldiers are fighting, not in their own strength, but they're fighting in faith, in trust. See, God has said over and over and over again, I will supply your physical needs. I will be your defender. But will we trust Him? How do we win daily? How do we win daily for God's glory in our daily battles? Brothers and sisters, we have to pray. We got to pray before the test. We've got to pray during the test. We've got to pray after the test. God is seeking, we see it clearly in this passage of Scripture, God is allowing these obstacles to come into their lives to force them in dependence upon Him. Finally, we see in this text, in chapter 18, we see that, yes, the children of Israel had spiritual problems that were crippling them that they needed to overcome by faith. But they also had some organizational problems. If you look in chapter 18, we see here that Moses' family came to join him, his wife and children. They were brought by Moses' father-in-law. And Jethro, when he came, he noticed something. He noticed that Moses' time was being literally swallowed up hour after hour as he sat to judge and settle disputes among the people. And he realized something. As an outside observer just coming in and seeing how this is working, he realized, Moses, you are going to be totally worn out doing that day after day. And the people are going to get totally exasperated waiting on you to settle their case. So Jethro said, listen, we've got to have another plan. And I recommend that you appoint people who will be judges on smaller issues. Appoint them by groups, put them by groups of thousands or hundreds of tens and organize this thing. And when there's a major question, let them come to you. Moses prayed about this. Look at verse 17. Moses of chapter 18. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. This work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Then, verse 21 
but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and have them serve as judges for the people. You know, God was doing some incredible things through the children of Israel. And yet organization was holding them back. You know, it doesn't take a lot of organization to just stay, stay like you are. To stay, to keep things status quo. It doesn't take a lot of organization. But we, just like the children of Israel, they were not called to simply be delivered across the Red Sea and then camp out in the desert for the rest of their life. God had a purpose for them. This portion of Scripture makes it clear they're on the way to Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, they're going to have a personal encounter with God. He's going to speak to them and He's going to establish His covenant with them. And then the plan is from there to go to the promised land. There's a purpose, there's movement. And just like God has worked in the life of First Baptist Church, God has called us to be a people who who love Him with all our heart, who, who love people and minister and pour out our lives for them, and we also multiply disciples. So think about that. Think about that. I don't know. Has anybody got an idea how many people are in this room right now? Anybody, anybody just real gifted and numeral guessing? 275, somebody says? I don't know. Is, um, does anybody know officially? Okay. Let's just say there's 275 people in this room. All right, now everybody look around at the room. Is 275 half full, a fourth full, a third, eighth? What? What is it? How full is it? About a third full. Okay. So that's 275 of us, and it's about a third full. All right, so let's just imagine this week... Each one of us take Barry's challenge. We take one of those little brochures. We invite somebody to come where we seek to win, it, win them to Jesus over a period of time. That's another 275 people. Is the room full? No, we still got room. So now we got 550 people, 275, isn't that right, 550? So now we got 550 people. They take Barry's challenge, and we go out and visit and invite them, and we double it. Now we got what? 1,000 and 100, right? 1,100 people. Is the room full? Then it's full. You do realize with just a little bit of effort we have created a major problem. Alright, so here's my question. If we create that major problem, how many of you would be willing to have a second 11 o'clock worship service? Say sure. Y'all like to play twice, right? Sure, okay, so when would we have it? We have it before Sunday school, during Sunday school, after Sunday school. So what I'm getting at is, now, now we got some organizational things we got to work on. If we just stay like we are, no organization problems. If we step into what God's calling us to do, 
loving Him with all our heart, loving others, and multiplying disciples, then we gotta, gotta organize this thing. Then we gotta make adjustments. And that's what the children of Israel are having to do. If we're gonna go forward, children of Israel, if we're gonna be effective and follow God, Moses, you gotta kinda change how we're doing this thing a little bit. See the challenge before us as First Baptist Church. We know it's not easy, is it? And, and listen, I, 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 listen, I know it's not easy. I'm tempted to grumble. I'm tempted to get discouraged. It's not easy. It is not easy. But we know we must organize. We must go forward. Loving God, loving people. Multiplying disciples. We know we're going to face challenges just like the children of Israel did. We know we'll, we'll face challenges personally, right? We know we're going to struggle with our health or we're going to struggle with a family member. We're going to have struggles. We're going to work through things personally. But we also know as a church we'll have challenges. But God says this, trust me. Trust me. Trust me and go forward. What kind of traveler are you this morning? Are you ready to go? You're eager to go? You know there are going to be challenges, but hey, I'm ready to go. Are you like, no, nah, I think I'll pass on this trip. Let's talk to him. Heavenly Father. This adventure with you is not like what I thought, Lord. I, I thought as I got older, Lord, it would get easier. But Father, as I get older, I have more health problems myself. And, and Lord, there are greater opportunities and greater challenges. Lord, when you delivered the children of Israel, that was just the beginning of the adventure and the challenges. Oh, Father, get my attention like you got theirs. Father, help me see that, yes, you'll pr pr provide my needs, but Lord, what you want me to do is trust you moment by moment. Whether I need water, whether I need food, whether I need hope, whether I need encouragement, or whether, Father, I'm to be the conduit of that to others. Lord, many in this room have been the conduit of that to others. And so, Father, we just want to continue to do that for your glory and honor to the day you take us home. In Jesus' name. Amen.